to Expounded Universe, Season 13, I think, Episode 4, Danger, Danger, Ghost Voltage, the book, Mall Lockdown by Joe Schreiber, the year, 2014, chapters 14 through 18, with your hosts, Jeff and John, why not let's go! All you folks out there, I'm sleepy. I mean, I'm Jeff, and that's John over there with me. Hi, John. How are you? Hi. I'm less sleepy. Yeah, I just had a rough night. It's funny because I know last night I was like asking you, "Hey, wake up at a at a, at a human time so that we can we can work on." I I don't know if we're ready to announce this, but uh, but we are working on yet more book projects. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's not you know it, it's just it's in the early 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 stages, so nothing too exciting yet. But I, I asked you to wake up early, and then I could not fall asleep. It's not like I was doing nothing, doing something. I went to bed at a reasonable human hour of 10.30, and then the last time I saw, I saw my clock before I fell asleep, it was like 3.50. And I will not blame you at all, because that is the sort of shit that happens to me all of the time. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, I might as well have just gotten up and stayed up, instead of just torturing myself by rolling around to the same four positions in bed. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a point during that sort of thing where I'm like, all right, it's been like an hour and a half and nothing is changing. Fuck it. I'm just going to, like, do something. I'll get out of bed, get a drink, fucking do something, and then maybe it will change things enough that when I come back, it'll be okay. Yeah, just to see if it gets you tired. That's, But I, I just couldn't even do that. I was trying to force it, and it just got worse and worse, but... You know what? Screw it. Uh, we we still managed to get the little bit of work we had to do to, today done, although I was a wreck. And now, here we go. I'm going to keep pushing, and we're going to get this done, too. Yeah. You're only the highest quality for you, our listeners. Mm-hmm. You get mm-hmm. only the sleepiest, Jeff. Oh, come on. I'm, I'm not acting too sleepy yet, am I? No, of course not. I can't wait until <laughs> we're halfway into the episode, though, and you're just snoring. <laughs> Well, I mean, lucky for you, I can't fall asleep in almost any condition, so uh, I don't think that'll happen. Instead, I'll just get irritated, frustrated, and wander off to play some sort of video game. Oh, yeah. Instead, mm-hmm. about halfway through the episode, I'll just hear some beeps and boops in the background, and you'll be like, come on, fucking damn it. I love the idea that it's beeps and boops. Yeah, like, you'll hear me in the background play fucking Jungle Hunt or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it'll be one of I those sleep, so I... <laughs> bullshit retro uh, Mega Man type games. Oh uh, yeah, I couldn't sleep, so I installed Commodore 64 and I'm playing uh, May- Maze Runner. Hell yeah, you are. Hell, this is fun. I just made that game up, and then I remembered it's like a whole young adult series. Yep. That didn't work. Oh no, <laughs> so... things didn't work out how I planned. Who knew? So anyway, yeah, we, we read five chapters of this book and i'm i'm starting to develop a theory about this joe schreiber guy who wrote this book and another book that we've already read uh and i it's a multi-part theory or would you be interested in hearing it uh no but please continue okay uh number one this guy's awesome 
That's my uh, theory. And number two, it's my going yeah, theory it's a, right now. It's, my, it's, it's a working theory. It's a wor- it's a theory in progress. Yeah, it's it's uh, a hypothetical, uh, and we're we're using the scientific method on it. But here's the thing: this book has seventy six chapters. So in the, in order to get a four or a fifteen episode arc out of this, I had to have it so that we're reading four chapters and then five chapters on a repeating cycle. Not two or three like we usually do in a book, but just a ton of chapters because they're these little tiny things, little baby chapters. And, but something cool happens in almost every one of them anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's I'll like say this, this for him. Last book and this one, you're like, he's not wasting space with like, and then a character went into a room and was like, gee golly, I have sads. Uh, I should sit here for a moment and let's recount how the Star Wars movies were. <laughs> yeah, well, and notably... This whole series of chapters, we're going to read five of them today, and most of them are pointing to a single event that's going to happen in the future. The whole thing is building to something where a lot of the books that we read are, you know, Luke's over here and he's learning about the Force in some fucking cave, and here's Leia and she's being pampered but not pampered enough, and here's Han and he's on the Falcon because he misses the good old days. And it's just that, and none of these stories feel like they connect to each other or matter. Not here. Here, everything's going somewhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's jumping between characters, but the story is still moving towards the same thing. And, it, you yeah. know, everyone's in the same place. It's not like, hey, let's fucking find out what's going on halfway around the galaxy for no reason. You're like, oh, good. It's, it's just, it's nice. It's It's simple. Mm-hmm. So I, my theory that I had, which I'm actually now going ahead and discounting because I tried Googling it while we were having this conversation, was that this guy's writing style would lend itself admirably to writing for comic books because he knows how to zip along and tell a story in about 12 pages. And, and I figured that we've actually had a couple of authors who we've read before who have turned into comic book authors later on in their careers. Uh, notably, when we did the awful book based on Star Wars Galaxies, Hayden Blackman ended up writing some stuff for Marvel. Well, yeah. So I thought that that makes sense for this guy that, that he knows how to do a punchy story in like 12 pages and leave you wishing that the comic book was 24 pages long, like it should have been. And it would have been in the seventies. Oh. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's good, but I've just Googled him and no, he does write a lot of star Wars books though. Well, good. He wrote the junior novelization of solo, a star Wars story. Wow. That makes me wonder if there is an adult novelization, because now I'm way into finding out if there's two books, and do you think we could read them both? Oh my god, how great would it be if there's two books, and they have roughly equivalent chapter counts, and one of us could read the adult one while the other one reads the kid one? <laughs> uh, not, not, not that great? Too gimmicky? Too gimmicky? Also, I don't want to do it. What if I told you that he's the author of a book called Supernatural, The Unholy Cause? Uh, only if it was a supernatural book about the TV show Supernatural. What if I told you it absolutely is that? Fuck yes! I know what my next book is gonna be! (laughs) It's book 5 of 17 in the Supernatural series, Supernatural, The Unholy Cause. Nice. I got the title for the card for you right here. Way back in April 1862, Confederate Captain Jubal Beauchamp leads a charge across a Georgia battleground. 
Fast forward to 2009, and a Civil War reenactment becomes all too real. When Sam and Dean head down south to investigate, they find that history has got somewhat out of hand. Aw, you didn't even use the history is repeating itself line? God damn it. Get out of here. Well, he didn't get to write that. That's the uh, that's the Amazon pitch. Oh, I know. You can blame that on it. Yeah, that's Amazon's fault. That's not Joe Schreiber. No, I'm not blaming Joe for that. I'm angry at whoever did that shit for the back cover. Yeah, but given that I know you and your love of Supernatural and the boys Sam and Dean Winchester. Oh, yes. The boys Winchester, very near and dear to my heart. Hey, you know what? It's been eight minutes and we have not mentioned anything about this book. <laughs> We've been talking about the author of the book for eight minutes. I think we're doing fine. <laughs> Actually, I got the first three or four of that was just me being sleepy talk. It's true. And then the rest of it was also me being sleepy talk. You know what? The book opens in, or this chapter series opens in the laundry room of the prison. Yeah, we are going to get right into it with the leader of the Gravity Massive, who apparently when uh, he first arrived at Cog Hive 7, he had to work in the laundry room, and it was sad, and he didn't like it. So, I mean, I don't blame him. Our, our, the leader of Gravity Massive is Strabo, and Strabo is a, a Nogri, a species that we've only encountered just a tiny bit in a few of the books we've read so far. Primarily is like the secret service that Princess Leia constantly has to evade. Mm -hmm. So she can go have fun and ride around the town in a convertible. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and, and they're like, they're like, hang on, Miss Miss Leia. We need to secure the perimeter. And she's like, you guys are boring. I want a malt shop drink. I want an entire malt shop. <laughs> I want a malt beverage. <laughs> and I want to play Ed Edward Forty Hands. And then Lando Calrissian shows up and he's like, yeah, <laughs> another one is mine. Yeah, so the Nogri are a species that has a strong connection to Princess Leia and, by extension, Darth Vader. Uh, they're these little, tiny, like, three, four-foot-tall, extremely muscly, badass, hairless badger guys. Yeah, they're just little murder guys. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and Strabo is one of them, and he's he's the first one I've ever seen that's in a prison. Usually they're all, like, cool and noble uh, but, of course, he hates working in a laundry room. Nogri have extremely advanced senses of smell, and their whole culture revolves around it. Yeah, but he had to be in a stanky, sweaty, bloody, nonsense laundry area with all sorts of chemicals. And he hated it so much that he murdered the leader of the Gravity Massive and took his place. Yeah, just so he wouldn't have to be in a laundry room anymore. And now, here he is, once again in the laundry room. Oh, the irony. Oh, the irony. I love that this is, I mean, we find out that he got a message from a droid that was like, come down here, this is from one of the captain of the guards, you should come meet me in the laundry room. And I'm like, man... Fool me once. <laughs> right? <laughs> this just happened like yesterday to this guy. And he's just like, yeah, fine, whatever. <laughs> uh, someone else wants to meet me in a place and they they said that I, I look like a dork, you say? I don't know. I already rumbled yesterday. I don't know if I got another rumble in me. <laughs> but, but sure enough, here he turns up for a spare rumble reminiscing deep inside of his mind about how much he hates the laundry room and its smells and bloods and 
the super freezing liquid that is used to cool the giant industrial washers. Yeah. And can I also mention, he's here with his whole gang, and the Gravity Massives, there are 13 of them. Yeah. That doesn't feel right to me. Does it feel right to you? I mean, kind of. But the prison has like 85,000 inmates. Does it, though? Yeah, they keep talking about how it's like a giant space station thing with countless inmates, enough that people are constantly being forgotten in the shuffle of the giant prison. And yet, the place is ruled by two gangs with like less than 20 guys in them. Oh, yeah. The uh, Gravity Massive have a baker's dozen, and the Bone Kings have like 17? 16? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just doesn't, it didn't sit right with me. I was like, hold on. Is that just like the cool members, the ones with names and, the, and you know, the cool jackets? Oh, yeah. It's the official members. None of the, mm-hmm. uh, the trial members who just signed up for a free month. <laughs> no pledges. This is just the guys who were already in. Uh, but yeah, because it was apparently supposed to come from the captain of the guard, he was like, well, you know, I guess I have to go because, you know, if it is actually the captain of the guard who summons me here, like he probably won't kill me for just not showing up, but he can make my life suck ass. So whatever. Well, yeah. And, and we've, we've talked about that before that while the guards technically have unlimited discretion to kill prisoners, it's not popular. That, no. that murdering the prison, especially murdering an entire gang at once without even having an altercation with them or anything would definitely bring a lot of heat down on the prison cat guard. So he's not going to do that. No, it'd be like, especially if it was he didn't show up to some meeting because then they would have full recorded records of everything. And it'd be like, yeah, you were in another part of the prison from this inmate who was doing nothing. And then he died because you punched his number in. What the fuck? Yeah, and also 12 of his buddies, That's that was a weird choice, and we're going to need you to do a whole lot of paperwork. Oh, yeah, especially because they're like, I'm sure at least one of these 12, because they're part of, like, the badass gang, had some match coming up. Yeah, and then along with him and 11 of his closest gang friends is his second-in-command, who we've seen before, a Nelvanian, and we've actually done a bonus content on Nelvanians. Yeah. Uh, they're blue rat people from the Clone Wars cartoons. Hmm. Uh, and this is his second in command. I think it's Ismash or Ismash or Ismash. 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 Yeah. And uh, Ismash is like, I don't know, man. This is definitely where the droid told us to meet uh, the guard captain. And uh, Ismash is not a fighter. He's a he's a hacker, he's a not lover. a fighter. Yeah, a, l- a lover of hacking. He loves slicing. Yeah, sorry, slicing. Although they seem to use the term hacking in this book a little bit. Yeah, I think I think they may have just you know forgotten for a moment what the term was. Or it could just be that slicing came into favor after the empire rose to power, and this is still pre-slicing. Lol. I mean, you know how it is with computer nerds. They change those words constantly. I know. Rafflemau. Yeah. Uh, Rafflecopter. See, it just goes on like that. But it's a setup, and it's not the guard captain who's here, but the Bone Kings, and the Bone Kings are ready. <laughs> how many times are we going to make that joke, you think, during this book? <laughs> Uh, I think that might be the last one, because this is more or less the primary end of the two gangs. I mean, not really. They still get to exist. the last chance to really get them in. 
Yeah, kind of. You know what? We, we're we probably giving away the game right now, though. Yeah, so they, of course, both meet there, and oh, it was a setup. And I do like, at least, that both of them are like, do you actually want to fight, man? I don't know if you yeah, want to. <laughs> yeah, if that's what you're looking for, I guess we're going to rumble. But they aren't. They don't immediately fight because you know why? They already did this like yesterday. They already had a rumble. Yeah, and they're, they're all rumbled out. Both of them like figure out. Oh yeah, I guess some droid told us to come down here. We both got told that you know uh, the captain of the guard, what's his name, Halson, mm? was like, oh, meet me down here. So you know, yeah. Fuck. But it was a lie, I tell you. A lie, because all of a sudden, Strabo notices a change, and he immediately smells something wrong and senses what's happening. The giant cryo tubes full of ultra-freezing non-oxygen have been cut, and the room is filling up with toxic freezing gas. Ah, yes, the cryogens are out, and mm -hmm. none of the exhaust fans are on, and oh, it's it's too difficult, even as he tries to think... I should probably do something about this. He is absolutely fucked. Yeah, and it's more like it's just a noble gas that's been released because it's not poisonous. It's just that you can't breathe it, and it fills up your lungs, and it's heavier than air, so it's it's immediately good. And he even looks up to the sink. He's like, there's giant fans in this room for this problem. But oh no, someone's turned those off too. Yeah, and it's, I mean, the toggle switch is overhead, and he would have to without being able to breathe or actually really do much of anything, like climb up to the ceiling and switch it on. Which honestly is exactly what a Nogri should be able to do, but not this time. Because this time, he gets panicky and tries to run to the door to claw his way out. And so does what Voss Nailhead, leader of the Bone Kings. Oh yeah. Like, I enjoy that they're the only two that apparently managed to have the presence of mind to be like, let's try and get out of here. Because all of the rest of the two gangs just sort of like flop onto the ground and go, well, that's me. I mean, I kind of get it insofar as they're the toughest two. Maybe the rest of them are like, I can't move. And these two are like, no, I can. Because I rumbled my way to the top. I'm so badass. I can fight being killed by gas, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's when... Maul shows up. Now, obviously, this has been a Maul setup because the last chapter ended with him promising to deal with the gangs for Zero, the information broker. Yeah, but instead of it just being, oh, I'll just kill all of them immediately in some stupid thing, he instead shows up with a jury-rigged respirator, and then mm -hmm. he saves the day. He goes and turns on the big vat fans and turns off the cryogens and god the fact that he is like hey everybody you got set up by the guards because they don't like you but i saved you i'm like man just like two days ago this motherfucker set the two of you gangs up to rumble and i don't think they're supposed to know that but that's what happened like well, he yeah, walked up to one of him. them and said, hey, guys. Oh, right. Yeah, he did deliver the message. To both of them. So, like, yeah. it's not like he went a go-between. He literally walked up and went, hey, you guys should go rumble. And then they did. <laughs> and 
then he shows up and he's like, ah, someone sent you here to die. And also I'm here, but don't worry about that. I'm just here because I'm so nice as we have all established. But he is very good at deflecting because as soon as he rescues everybody, he's like, listen, here's what happened. You were all set up by a guard. I'm the one who's rescuing you. Please do note that your leaders were trying to leave and leave you to die in here. They are cowards and I am not. Oh, yeah. It's very good for him that that did happen because if it didn't, he wouldn't really have a good way to turn the crowd against them. I mean... Also, the fact that the two leaders, luckily for him, the two leaders are still way out of breath because they could just be like, no, you know, actually, we were just trying to get the door open because if the door opened, the gas would flood out of the room and we'd all be able to breathe again. Huh. Uh, but, you know, instead, they're just like, <clears throat> and that's all there. But Voss Nailhead does try to challenge Darth Maul. He's like, ah, oh, fuck you, buddy. You're trying to make me look like shit in front of my gang. And so he rushes him. And, you know, Maul's used to punching zombie wampas or whatever. So he just bodies the guy immediately yeah and strabo instead of trying to go after him physically is like oh Hal halcon can't have tried to kill us we're protected because we serve radik oops my bade oopsie dupes all 20 uh, 30 of us or whatever it is serve radik yeah and that's that's what maul needed to hear he's like well here's the deal from now on you two are shitty and clearly out of power now I am in charge of both gangs. You can keep your dumb gang affiliations, but all of you report to me. And, you know, and, most of them are like, yeah, sure. It's I mean, they're all, I, I'm guessing the Bone Kings mostly just care about bones. I guess. And, and so, yeah. And so they're just like, wait, can we still all do all the weird bone stuff that we had been constantly doing? And he's like, I don't fucking care. Yeah, man. Bone it up. I don't, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. So, um... <laughs> then he obviously is going to have to go and drill uh, Strabo about what he said regarding the uh, Iram Radik. And here's the information that we now learn about Iram. He is a weapons dealer. He is working out of the prison with some very weird weapon plans, which is that all of these gang guys occasionally get bits of weapons in their mail yeah. and they hold on to them in their rooms which they have to, they're small random bits of weapon that don't get picked up by, uh, by searches. They take them to their rooms and then eventually they disappear from their rooms and they never see how it happens. Yeah. Everyone gets one random bit. They don't know what it goes to or what it does. It's just some random part. And I guess he then assembles it later and sends it out, but they don't know. But what they do know is an interesting thing. They get paid with those little kipus, the strings with knots tied in them that our good friend Daddy Prisoner paid the uh, the guard to help him with a couple chapters ago. Yeah, that, either Artigan or Aogan. I forget which one of those two names is him. I think it's Artigan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mad Artigan. And... Uh, and, and so now we know that these string things are really a major part of this prison existence. Apparently, although, like, the uh, the guard that he was giving it to had never seen it before, so, you know, apparently yeah, that's not weird, right? everyone. But the prisoners sure seem to know about them. Okay, so uh, that's pretty much the end of that uh, chapter. Is is just sort of like, all right, well, Darth Maul's in charge now, and then he walks away, and... Uh, we, we end on Strabo being like, I can't even look at my boys anymore. Oh. My, my boys, 
They've abandoned me. Look at look at them. Look how they massacred my boys. They used to be such good boys. Look at these boys. So so he's out, and uh, then we move on to the next chapter indeed. Yeah. Maul finally gets to use that holographic transmitter thing that he got from Zero for dealing with uh, the gangs and whatnot so that he can call up Darth Sidious. It's our old yeah. pal Sheevy P. It's Poopy Palpatine. We haven't talked to this guy in forever. This is nice to see him again. Yeah, and not and just he- as like a reference or a thought. Like We actually get him. He's here. Yeah, he's here. He's doing stuff. He's moving around and everything. And he's being a real dick to Darth Maul, which is just great. I I love that he's like, yeah, you're so proud of yourself. What a bitch. <laughs> Don't be too proud. You might have kicked something's ass, but you also got beat up. Little little baby, yeah. he, baby dick. So he's just like, <laughs> the first thing, the first, he's in his Limerge Tower, which I have to assume is from the prequels. That's probably the big office building that Darth Sidious gets to work out of. Uh, I don't know when this takes place prequel wise, but I think it it, it's, it feels to, well, obviously it happens before Phantom Menace because Darth Maul is in one piece and not two. Exactly. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> so he gets a really good look. and He's like, wow, Zero actually does have a lot of good tech. This is the best hollow camera thing I've ever seen. And Maul's just like, oh, it's you. Ha <laughs> ha, you suck. I do, I am pleased that I've seen you not using your force powers, although I bet you really want to, don't you? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, Maul's like, if I could just, ah, you can't. Nope, nothing you say. Ah, stop talking. I need you to zip it. <laughs> don't rest on your laurels just because you're doing a good job, because you're actually doing a bad job and you suck. So, uh, yeah. keep it up, but also do better. Yeah, basically every time Darth Maul's like, ah, you, uh, what I have done so far is the following. I have taken over the gags. That can't have been that hard. Uh, I have uh, located Zero, the information broker. I already knew who he was. Just belittling him at every turn. If you thought you were doing good, you weren't. Every time you do good, you have to be doing better than the last time you did good, or you ain't Sith. <laughs> and Maul's just like, oh, God, okay. Yes, my master, that you are so tiresome. I do like that apparently, though, Maul's just like, man, this guy's great. (laughs) Like, Sheev spends the entire conversation being like, hey, hey, little bitch baby, how's the job going? He's like, oh, it's pretty good. No, it isn't. Shut up. (laughs) And I wish I the end of it is just like, oh, my master's so good. I wish I was anywhere near as badass in the dark side as Sidious. <laughs> well, you know, Sidious is an old white dude. He's failed upward. Oh, yeah. Darth Maul's like some weird red and black combination. That can't be doing well politically. So he has to claw up, and he's he's not yet realized how oppressed he is. No. Yeah. So uh, he gets told repeatedly that he doesn't get to know what the fuck he's even doing in here, that Iram Radik is the only thing he needs to know about. Find him and get rid of him, and that's your whole job. Uh, meanwhile, I'm doing whatever I do in the Ariadu sector or the Ariadu program. Basically, we get a little bit about how he's trying to destabilize politics to get Chancellor Valorum unseated. Yeah. And, you know, neat thing is after the call ends, we get to hang out with Sidious for a bit. Just. Yeah. <laughs> afterwards, the call ends and he's Sidious slash Palpatine is just like, 
you know, he really is doing a good job, though. Good for him. He should be proud. <laughs> of course, I could never tell him, but boy, howdy, am I ever proud of my boy. He's he's doing such a good job. Look at him out there getting information. What a what a sweet baby. I'm going to call him a dumbass next time I see him. What a trooper. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we hang out with him for a while and, uh, he's wandering around his fancy ass penthouse apartment or whatever it is. He walks outside onto his sky hook to get into a taxi and, uh, oh, there's some guy waiting in the taxi. And I gotta be honest, I don't know enough about the legend of Darth Plagueis the Wise to know if this is Plagueis or like Plagueis's little toady. Oh, this is Darth Plagueis. Well, no, because the first thing they give him is some other name. It's like that they say yeah, that his someone's name. waiting for him and... Oh, is, okay, that's what that is. All right. I wasn't sure if that was, like, the guy or if there was more than one person in the in the car. No. Uh, so it's Higo Damask, or as he is known to the Sith, Darth Plagueis. And, right, okay. You know, he immediately is like, hey there, Darth Sidious, you want to come in my uh, taxi? And Palpatine just sort of looks at the cockpit and is like, uh, what? <laughs> You want to not just yeah. say our evil names out loud, my dude? Yeah, and Plagueis is like, who gives a shit? Huh? Look at this. Yeah, Johnson. We got Johnson here. See? No one cares. <laughs> and uh, uh, Dotson. It was Dotson, wasn't it? Now I feel a right fool. You are a right fool. Well, I mean, I'm right now. Earlier, I was a wrong fool. Yeah. But anyway. um, Yeah, so now the two of them go on their, on their little taxi ride where Plagueis basically treats Sidious the way he'd just been treating Darth Maul. Yeah, he's just like, hey, buddy, I, uh, let's, let's hang out, you know, like equals, you and me, we're good friends, right? You and me, yeah. you're not trying I to do anything behind my back to fuck our shit up, right? <laughs> I, I gotta be honest, I immediately, I know that, that Darth Plagueis is a moon, much like Vesto Sliffer or, uh, any number of other big big face moons from the various prequels yeah uh but i immediately fan casted him in my head as alan alda that was the voice i had that's just, weird just going through yeah i don't know why just because he seems so businesslike and friendly even though he's like yeah some kind of dangerous villain he's just like hey i don't care i'm very safe in this situation nothing bad is gonna happen to me i'm darth plagueis the wise and it was uh so it, it worked for me <laughs> so they have a long conversation about uh the plans and uh basically Plagueis is pressing Sidious to finish the job in that prison uh he's like what are you doing in there and he's like I've dispatched my best man to get in there and kill Iram Radik so that'll deal with him because he's as big of a threat to the whole operation as ever as Chancellor Valorum or anything else and Plagueis springs a surprise on him oh well I have also of course sent in a uh a, a, a man in, inside, a, a certain Vesto Sliffer is one of my guys. I got a guy in there. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sidious is ticked off about this. But like, he doesn't let it show, but he's like, ah, oh, fuck, that's that's going to mess everything up. Now I got to do it perfect or, I, or whatever. Some, something bad is happening as a result of Plagueis being involved. Well, I mean, the basic thing is you can tell that, like, Sidious is trying to do something other than what he has told Plagueis yeah. that he is going to do, and now that there's someone there that can actually, you know, watch through all the shitloads of videos and channels and shit that they have, he's like, oh, fuck, he's gonna find out my dumb garbage. 
Which is why yeah, Plagueis yeah, so. spends the entire time going like, hey, buddy, we're friends. I trust you. I trust you're not doing anything to harm me. Wink. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, you and I have good friends, right? That's why I can definitely trust you. You wouldn't do anything to try and screw me over, especially not with me watching what you're doing, right? Good. I'm glad we had this talk. I bet you thought I was dead, regular reader. By this point, I was almost definitely dead, right? Well, I'm not. I'm alive. And I'm here. Yeah, I thought he was dead. I I mean, given that Darth Maul refers to him, and the only time his name ever shows up in the movies is the legend of Darth Plagueis the Wise, I was like, that's probably some old legend, right? Nope, active. (laughs) An active legend. Yeah. So, uh, okay. The taxi ride otherwise just kind of goes... Darth Sidious is getting belittled by a even more powerful evil Sith. I mean, he's not really. Which is, which, I mean, they're kind of equals. It's very much like they're just two rival crime dawns. I was going to say, honestly, it's basically the flip side, because Sidious, his tact with Maul is to just be like, you suck, you're an ass and a piece of shit, and you're my little baby. You're my baby dick apprentice. And then when Sidious and Plagueis get together, Plagueis is like, hey, we're equals. You're a cool guy, and I super trust everything you're doing. Everything's fine. I have no worries about this, because I know what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Uh, So, eventually, uh, they, they apparently, they routinely get together and just go for walks around Coruscant, just sort of hanging out and talking out in the open. Not this time. This time it's a cab ride, and eventually they get to the Senate chambers, and uh, Plagueis just has the door open and is like, yeah, okay, now get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. That's And that's the end of that. That's just, uh, they. Ju- he just dumps, dumps. Uh, bleh, d- dumps Palpatine out at the Senate chambers, which luckily for him is where he was going, so it's not that much like he's just getting kicked to the curb. No, and the thing is, the last thing he says is he's like, Great, we're together on this as equals. He, I don't know why you keep thinking that Plagueis is being an asshole in this. Like, the entire time, he's nothing but nice. Well, yeah, exactly. He's too nice. Aren't you seeing that? He's a little too nice. <laughs> he's got some shit in the, in the pot, and he's just like, yeah, I'm definitely your friend. That's what I am. Instead, he's like, yeah, and if you fuck up even a little bit, I'll kill you. But I don't even need to say that because it's understood. That's why I can get away with being so nice. That's where I'm. That's what I. The impression I get from him. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it's the exact opposite of what Sidious was doing. Instead of just being an overt dick, he's like, I'm very friendly. I don't need to be an asshole. You know, you make a very good point. It's two different ways of being a huge dick. Uh, it, but so that's fair. But he is still being a huge dick because he's just being like all too friendly when he knows. And and Sidious knows he knows that he's not actually friendly. This is just a show. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And that's the end of that chapter. But boy, is it ever interesting to get outside of the prison. I didn't think we were gonna. Oh, no. I mean, I figured we might get some messages from Sidious or whatever once the transmitter was in. But uh, getting a snippet outside and even a little guest appearance from Plagueis. What a neat, fun time. Yep, and now it's time to move on to very minor characters, Artigan and Eogan. Uh, I mean, we established it's Owen. It's what? Oh, Owen? Right, you're right, because it's like a, a, a Celtic pronunciation. Yeah. So how do you pronounce the other one? Artigan and Owen, or Arden? Uh, I, I don't know. From I now on, I'm just going to... I couldn't find yeah, a my... pronunciation for that one. Like, I looked up the Eogan thing, and it was like, oh yeah, no, that is Owen. 
but mm-hmm. I couldn't find anything for Artigan that had a different pronunciation, so fuck it. It's just Artigan and Owen. Okay, fine. Artigan and Owen. And Owen's the kid one, and, Artig- and uh, Artigan's the, the, the big old grampy dad who used to be a contender. Yep, and they are in the debris center of the prison. There's some, like, scrapyard that they have that you can go down mm-hmm. into that at that point I was like, why does, why, why are they like the, the bone Kings doing like, Oh, we got to get bone shivs. I'm like, you have an entire giant area of loose pointy metal that you could just grab. <laughs> well, obviously it's because bone evades metal scans. Yeah, but no one I gives mean, granted, a shit. <laughs> I know. I, I assume it's just a gang thing. They're like, ooh, like, it's you know, spookier, though, if we have bones. Then it's like skeletons and Halloween. Yeah, like, why does the Joker give his henchmen a bunch of, like, saps and pies to throw and shit and not just some fucking guns? Because it's a theme. We're on brand. That's why they have bone knives. <laughs> Crazy straws. Or as I like to call them, straws. <laughs> anyway, no one goes to this weird depository of squished up junk anyway. Uh, it's for some reason called Nightside, I assume because it's always dark in there. I guess, but it is... Or maybe this thing is in a, a tide-locked orbit, so one side of the, the satellite is always pointing away from whatever it orbits. Yeah, that's clearly what's happening here on the weird metal prison. Yeah, I, well, no, haven't we established that this thing is a space station? I don't. I thought it was. No, it's a big metal prison. I mean... Oh, okay. I thought it was, in addition, it was also a space station. That it wasn't you know, a prison on a planet somewhere, but it was a prison out in space. Yeah, it's a space prison. Okay, good. Um, I mean, granted, in Star Wars, you're going to call every prison a space prison because Star Wars, despite having a bunch of planets in it, is a space setting. Yes, everything is space stuff. Yeah, everything. You go to space school in Star Wars. Yeah. Anyway, Artigan is teaching Owen how to not be a little baby and is like, all right, I'm I'm made you chase rats and mm-hmm. do a bunch of dumb garbage, and now you've got to do, instead of, like, reps with uh, lifting a bunch of scrap, he's like, I want you to just lift up one big pile of scrap and then just hold it there. Yeah, I mean, that's a real exercise, but normally you still also do it in reps. But yeah, he, he's just like, hey, see that big heavy block? Pick it up. And we stand. We follow our standard rule of Star Wars, which is uh, we we can't actually say like meters, or, so it's just how much do that weigh? I don't know, like a hundred and twenty. I've never lifted a hundred and twenty before. A hundred and twenty what? A hundred and twenty. You know, units, units of weight. Yeah, one hundred and twenty weight units, space units of weight. <laughs> of course, there's space units. Uh, so he makes him pick up a heavy block. Which he does, but strains and oh my gosh, it's the hardest weight he's ever had to lift, and it was so hard. And then when he uh, when he puts the weight down, his dad's like, "Good, you did it. Now come at me with the fifty-two fists." Yes, show me your fifty-two fists. Which at least it now describes as being like, oh, it's a super lightning fast attack thing over five seconds that you know could kill a man three times Owen size if. You know, Owen didn't fuck it up all the time, which he does again. Yeah, no, it's straight up as a Naruto thing. I thought it was just going to be like a whole martial art. Uh, but like, you know, it, I, I use the style of the 52 fists. 
but it's straight it's straight up like Naruto what Neji does. Oh yeah, it's instead of being yeah. like ah the fifty two fists. I have fifty two different ways to punch you. Instead, it's just oh the fifty two fists attack where you know I hit you fifty two times and you are already dead. Nani? Yeah, it could take yeah. <laughs> It could take out someone three times Artigan size when done correctly. But yeah, basically it's like whenever Neji does his cool taijutsu and does like an eight trigrams, palms, revolving heaven, punch-a-llama. Uh, I forget the name of them. Oh, yes, punch-a-llama. But, uh, he punches a llama with eight fists six, uh, in 64 directions. Yep, that's what happens. And that's that's what Neji does. That's Neji. Also, he's got them light purple eyes. I forget what they're called. Byakugan or something. He's got Bakugo. <laughs> I think I'm going to get exonerated on that one. I think they actually are called Byakugan. <laughs> I can't say for sure, but I think I might have I might have been right about an anime. And I think what happens if I'm ever right about an anime is that people send me a chocolate bar. I'm pretty sure that what happens is if you're right about an anime and it's Naruto, then you need to get the fuck out of anime, normie. <laughs> Who wouldn't want Norm in your anime? Everyone's always excited to see Norm. There's a whole TV show about it. Now I'm just imagining fucking Went showing up with a Naruto headband and everyone like, Norm! Norm! And he's like, he's like, hooray, my favorite one is Sasuke. <laughs> and they're like, ugh, poser. Everyone's favorite one is Sasuke. That's why Pick I'm a cool Norm. One like that. <laughs> Pick a cool one like that one who has beetles in him or something. Ah, the Beatles in him. You know the one. He has Beatles in him. I don't, because fuck Naruto. Ah, come on. There's some good episodes. There's like <laughs> there's like 800 episodes with about four good ones. That's, that's, th there you go. Yeah, that's and I've thing. watched the highlights of those four episodes. <laughs> and they're all just Rock Lee doing drunk punches. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay, so, um... Basically, we, we find out at a certain point, he can't do the 52 fists. He tries to 52 fist his dad real good. He really works hard at fisting his dad, and, and he can't fist his dad right, so his dad rejects his fisting. Yeah. You know, he leaves himself open, and his dad throws him to the ground and is like, what are you going to cry? Huh? You going to cry, little baby boy? And that's when, uh, what's his nuts, the voice doc the guy that he had paid to help them escape shows up and we get the reveal that, you know, voice doc just comes right out and is like, yeah, your dad doesn't think you'll survive here and that you'll die in your first match. Cause you're a little sad baby and you can't kill anyone. Yeah. He's like, what are you training for? Like one fight, maybe two. And he's like, no, I'm going to go the distance. I'm on my way. And the guy's like, yeah, you're on your way down the cremation chute. You suck, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Dummy. <Ugh. laughs> That's a great 52 punches for a clown to use <laughs> No, at the circus. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's here to, to belittle the kid a bit, but basically this is the back half of that story we started a couple episodes ago where uh, Artigan is trying to buy his way into an escape attempt. Yeah, and, you know, Owen is super pissed about this because for some reason he wants to stay and fight in the death prison where even if you are super good at fighting, you're still going to get killed eventually. But he's like, nah, I want to hang out and fight because that seems like a cool thing to do because I'm an idiot teenager. And his dad's like, nah, we're going to leave because... 
you will definitely get killed almost immediately, and I'm paying this guy so that we can leave. And also, I trained you so hard just a second ago and got you all tired, because that way you can't stop me. We're leaving. Yeah, because he even shows it. He's like, hey, look at my hands, kid. Like, he takes his hands out of his pockets, and they're all shaky and broken. And he's like, I can't win another fight either. This is the end for us. We're both going to die if we go into a fight now. And he's like, I'll stop you, Dad. And he tries, but he's just too weak because he's been lifting stuff. And his dad's like, nope, I trained you wrong as a joke. (laughs) No, I trained you right, but now you're all tired because you're done training. So you got noodle arms, you little noodly arm bitch. You're absolutely right. I wasn't wrong in that situation. I was just making a bad reference. Uh, their plan is that they are going to be taken to the med bay uh, where they're going to briefly shut off the power. And during the 15 minutes it takes to turn it back on, they will hack the med droid to remove the bombs from their hearts. And, you know, I understand that, like, okay, that's what you need to do first, because, you know, if you don't get those out, then they can just kill you. It doesn't matter. But, like... That's the end of their plan, and I'm like, well, okay, you're still in prison, my dude. Yeah, I assume there's a secondary plan. Maybe you can, if you don't have the bomb in your heart, you can literally just leave because that's the only security measure. Like, there's probably just a door on the prison, and if you try and walk out of the door, your heart blows up automatically. Yeah, and it's in space, so of course the door just says, free space shuttles, please do not take if prisoner. (laughs) Yeah, or your heart will explode. Or however many hearts. You you just guess the number of hearts. <laughs> One or more hearts will explode. Mm-hmm. If you've got redundant hearts, we know. We learned about your redundant hearts in school. We put all these bombs in there. Yeah. Uh, so this is their big plan. They're going to go to the med bay and set off a brownout. And uh, it, we don't learn about it yet, but this is not a good idea. I mean, obviously, we know it's not a good idea because they're trying to escape from super prison. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. We mostly establish that this guard, voice doc, is a real piece of shit, doesn't care if these guys make it or not, will disavow them immediately if it's if it benefits him to do so. And uh, Owen is right to point out, dude, this guy is definitely going to betray us. He has literally no reason not to. Oh, yeah. He's like, we don't have anything on him. If you have already given him our money, then what does he need to do anything? It's not like... We can go tell on him. Yeah. But really, it doesn't seem like that ever actually comes up. Anyhow, um, that's more or less the end of this ep- this chapter. They're just like, hey, come on, we're going. If we're going, we're going, and we're going now. Yeah. Uh, and then we cut to the shortest chapter and the namesake of the episode, Ghost Voltage. Yeah. Maul apparently just gets a huge boner off of talking to his master because he's like, Oh man, every time I talk to him, I'm just, I'm so aware of things hidden and exposed and I'm, there's all this crackling energy and latent fields. I like to think of it as ghost voltage. I'm like, sure you do, my (laughs) buddy. Sure you do. I like to think of the best Pokemon move as ghost voltage. (laughs) If your Pokemon can do ghost voltage, that'll, that'll damage grass types. Uh, don't come at me. I don't understand that fucking wheel at all. Man, if I knew it, that there was any ghost electric type Pokemon, I would make a reference to it, but I don't know almost anything about anything that is Pokemon, so fuck it. Yeah, who knows? I'm guessing that there probably is one. I mean, uh, there's a most things? Yeah, oh, it looks like it's Rotom. 
Rotom is the only electric ghost Pokemon. Great. That's just motor back backwards. <laughs> oh, and it looks like a, a couple of lightning bolts with a with a poop in the middle. Okay, good. Well, now we know. Now we know that there's a <laughs> lightning bolt poop, and boy, boy, can it zap things. Yeah, uh, <laughs> ghost style. But really, what's happening here is just that uh, Darth Maul has decided to accost Ismash, that Nelvanian we mentioned a couple of chapters ago. Oh. Now, Ismosh, as we mentioned, is a slicer and not a fighter, and that's lucky, because it turns out that Darth Maul needs a slicer. Not a so fighter. So he's like, yeah, he's like, hey, buddy, here's a job I have for you, because you're a slicer. Uh, I need you to slice into this this place's systems via the computer, I assume you have, which I'm still not sure. Hackers need stuff to hack on, but, but I need you to hack into the system and get me uh, full write-ups on every prisoner in the prison i mean there's only like 13 members of gravity massive so i have to assume there's only like 40 people here yeah and also i need you to give me all of the files on them now i don't know exactly how you're gonna give me those i mean i assume you must also apparently have a data pad you can get that onto you know what i'm just making a lot of assumptions but go ahead and do it anyway <laughs> Yeah, uh, he, well, maybe he just wants it all printed out. After all, we've established that there's just not that many prisoners here, so it might just be like a book report. Please give me just a, a nice, tidy folder with all of the pages for these inmates, and let me, let me get those. Yeah, um, so he's doing that when all of a sudden, as the two of them are talking in whatever dark room they're in, uh, all the lights go completely out and then come right back on. And Maul's like, is that normal? So Mismash gets the the job of saying no that is, that is uh that is not normal that is not a normal th- that's only ever happened like one other time and it was during an escape attempt. Oh no, did it work? No, it didn't work at all. Some people tried to do exactly what we just described a minute ago, which is try to get out through like the doctor bay by convincing the droid to hack out your your uh, your heart bombs. But before they could get done, Iram Radik killed them. Because it's too important to his security and privacy is so important that even people who haven't heard of him in the prison might have heard something that could link back to him in some way they don't know about. And he doesn't like that. So he'll show up and kill anybody who's about to leave. Oh, yeah. Like if you've worked for him in any capacity, if you know anything about him, if you know even something about someone else who might know something about him, that's too much. He can't let you leave. Yeah. And that the way this works is that uh, he—that's why he's here, because this is a prison that no one escapes from, and everyone dies in gladiatorial combat. It's the perfect place for Iram Radik to hide. Yeah, because even if someone does discover something about his weird, very secret identity, they'll never be able to tell. And you kind of wonder at, at a certain point, how does this work with all the guards? Uh, like eh? a- <laughs> Is he constantly murdering guards when they try to go home? I mean, I have to assume that they, they, I don't, they don't. I don't know, man. I think the the guards just have to pretend they don't know a single thing about this and just be like, nope, no such thing as Iram Radik. I mean, no such thing as uh, I, who? I've never heard that name. I don't, don't know what me. anything is. <laughs> so, in, in any event, 
Maul's like, oh shit, this is a perfect chance for me to encounter Iron Radik. And then just halfway through the conversation, he just spins on his heels and leaves, which is kind of his signature move. Oh yeah. As soon as this guy was like, oh yeah, Iron Radik killed someone in the med bay last time they tried to escape. He's like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to head off to the med bay. Fuck off. Get me, you know, however many thousands of reports on these prisoners there are. I'll leave you to do that however you see fit. Yeah. And uh, we get one last chapter now, which is uh, a Siddiqui Bleer chapter. We haven't checked in with the warden in a while. Oh, yeah. And, you know. She's talking to that gaming commission guy, Dragomir, from like chapter two. Oh, yeah. And the dude's just angry, but also kind of concerned because he's like, look, it's not just that, you know, people might think you are like messing with the probabilities or, you know, fixing fights or whatever. It's that the huts are now angry at you because they think you are muscling in on their territory. And and she's rightful rightly pointing out, she's like, no, that doesn't have, that you ever notice how Vegas casinos don't get mad at each other. They just are happy because every casino that goes onto the block just brings more people in and they visit all the casinos. This is how this is working for me. She says, explaining Las Vegas to his space monster. Oh yeah. She's Um, like, their casinos are more lucrative than ever. I'm not doing anything to them. Yeah. They're, they're making money hand over fist. And honestly, it every, you can't shrink the gambling pot. There's 40 quadrillion billion jillion people in the, in space and all of them like to gamble. And you know, uh, Dragomir's like, yeah, I know, and you know, but huts are stupid. Also, it's not gambling that they are really angry about. You see, I'm sure you've heard the rumors about Iram Radik. And she's like, God, I hate that name. No one's, I, I, I'm making it no Iram Radik day. He's not real. And as she's going through that rigmarole again, she encounters the brownout. Oh, yeah. And now, she, of course, recon- remembers the last one, and this launches into a little soliloquy where she remembers how many corners she cut building the prison. Oh, yeah. She apparently fucked up because she was like, oh, when we were making this prison, uh, it was designed by Daiquiri, my genius brother, and mm-hmm. had it been built to his specifications, there would have been so many redundant power systems and different ways to reroute areas of like prisons from one area to the other and power from one area to do another. And no matter what, anything that happened, it wouldn't be a problem because it would be the best design thing ever. I didn't build that though, because that would be expensive. Yeah. So she built a pretty good pr- shape shifting super prison, not the best shape shift. Now you'd think that once she made a million jillion dollars as she, we have established that she had, because this place makes money at a ludicrous pace constantly in every quarter, always getting better, that she just retrofit. But apparently she just hasn't done that. Oh, yeah. Like, she says, oh, I probably could have, you know, waited to make this place and done it upright, but then we wouldn't have been making money as soon. And then as soon as we started making money, I was like, eh, everything's fine. (laughs) Yeah. And now she's fucked, but she remembers the last time that this particular kind of brownout happens, so she immediately starts barking orders to her people, demanding camera footage or at least sound of the inside of Medbay. She also quickly checks the camera feed of the data center to try and locate what the hell's going on with Daiquiri, and he's not there. Huh. A confusing mystery. 
maybe a red herring for mm. him to be Iram Radik, but it's really someone else. Or maybe, you know, he actually is. I mean, that would make a lot of sense if it just turned out he was Iram Radik. I mean, it would. Yeah. Plus, with the whole I never talk and I haven't talked in 10 years thing, being a perfect cover for this guy ain't got no voice like Iram Radik at all. Uh. So, uh, anyhow, uh, she can't figure out where Daiquiri is, but she does, after a bunch of haranguing, manage to get a bunch of guards to start descending on the med bay, uh, and manages to get a probe droid inside to at least get her uh, blurry heat signatures of the people who are in there, because sensors are telling her the room is empty, but the droid's like, no, there's three life forms in there, and here's what they're saying. Well, yeah, we get uh, actually seen through the the med droid that is in there. They, like, hack into his visuals and can see through the droid, and the droid is just looking directly at Voistock and the the father-son, Artigan and Owen, and you're like, all right, well, uh, you'd think you'd be able to, even if, like, you browned out systems somewhere else, you still have access to your own computer, you'd be able to go, all right, uh, look up these two dudes' faces. Oh, it's those prisoners. Immediately kill them. there There was more than one time where they described it as blobs, so I think that this droid, for whatever reason, is showing her heat signatures and not like maybe it's because the room is pitch dark or something, but she keeps she keeps saying heat signatures and not I can see them. What she gets is voices she doesn't identify, and then finally one voice she absolutely does. Well, yeah, she so knows voice talk. Yeah, so she's like, I don't know who these two prisoners are. It's like a young one and an old one, and one of them's calling the other one father, which honestly is probably all the information she'll need over a short t- period of time. But let's face it, those two don't fucking matter. They're walking corpses now. Uh, instead, she picks up her guard's voice, voice talk, and he's still just going on like, I don't fucking care what happened to you people. I could kill you as soon as I look at you. And, you know, just just his con- constant rigmarole of that kind of shit. And she's like, voice talk, that guard, I hates him. Uh. And then she hears blaster fire. End of chapter. Yeah, I mean, she's just like, man, this is the worst time for this to happen. Like, oh, right, I'm having of, uh, an audit Vesto. right now, and he just asked me if anyone had ever tried to escape. Yeah, yeah, Vesto, Vesto Sliffer was, is in there, and he's, he's watching for signs of failure so he can shut this whole place down, because she's on thin ice. Oh, yeah. She wrecked 30 yeah, uh, cars. <laughs> Turn in your badge and your gun. I'm sticking you with a partner. The mayor's really breathing down my neck. I need an antacid. Anyway, did, yeah. Did we, get, did, we, did we get them all? There we go. That's all. That's all we need. <laughs> How is that? That is almost assuredly our favorite role in movies. <laughs> Grumpy, tired, old chief of police. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I mean, all cops are bastards, obviously. But in movies, that's always the best character is like the, the I, I'm sick of your shit, uh, old police chief. It's wonderful because he can't ever really do anything. And it's mm-hmm. it's just sort of amusing to see someone get that emotionally worked up and then not be able to do anything yeah also it was kind of a racist thing in the 80s to put that put black people in that role and be like see we made them an important person they're the chief of police and you're like yeah the chief of police is never the main character it's always the, the renegade cop yeah the chief of police always has one line scene and all they say is shit like you're a loose cannon mcgarnagle 
and that's all they ever get to do. Anyway, that's uh, that's pretty much the end, though, right? We She's all p- ticked off because we, uh, in the middle of an audit, are having a massive escape happen. She's trying to get shit under control, and man, is she mad about that guard. Oh, yeah. And at this point, I do like that we've had, you know, like we were saying at the beginning, the last several chapters all just building towards this one thing of an escape mm-hmm. attempt. Yeah. It's going to be a whole big thing where the uh, the escape attempt is going to happen over the next couple of chapters, and we've all been pushing to it. No, I mean, everyone's got their own agendas and so on, but it's ebbing and flowing out from a central story, and I really appreciate that after reading a lot of Star Wars novels. And the the neat thing is, it should be basically a resolved in the like middle of the book, as far as mm-hmm. I could tell. So that's going to be like the catalyst for the second half. It's nice that you're like oh, here's a big lead up with all of these characters towards this one central thing. And then from that central thing, we go out towards, you know, the climax and end of the book. Look at this. Look at you with story structure and shit. Good for you, book. Yeah, and they're not even like a third of the way through the book yet. This is chapter 18 of 76. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely going to, we're going to see a lot of cool stories still to come. I'm excited. Hey, and speaking of being excited, I'm double excited to stay awake even longer and go make some bonus content. I'm sure there's nothing you would rather do right now than not sleep, but talk about Wikipedia. Certainly can't think of anything I'd rather do, and if you'd like to hear that, all you have to do is go on down to patreon.com slash systemmastery and support us at the $2 level to unlock the Wikipedia bonus, where we will make... uh, cool reports of weird shit we find on wikipedia to each other and to you that's right we go plumb the depths and find out what's going on with all this nonsense what's really happening with all of these star wars exactly uh and they're always a lot of fun we find the wildest craziest nonsense you can find in star wars Last week, I found actual mermaids called the Melody, and the one of them who gets a name, Lyric. That was some weird shit. Who knows what we'll find this time? Who indeed? Mm-hmm. So once again, go to patreon.com slash systemmastery to find that stuff. Uh, also, there's a whole bunch of other levels you can unlock for even more content. Just tons of shows. We make so many shows every month just for you. Usually, I've had more sleep, and they're great. And uh, until... Uh, wait, should I say that? Do you have anything else you want to say? Nope. Good. Well, then I'll see you later. I've been Elan Sleaze Bagiano. And I love trying to fist my dad. Thank you.